welcome back to Music for PhDs. Today we're talking to Jocelyn Morlock, whose music is inspired by emotional narrative. She has also composed music based on artwork, which I, of course, found totally fascinating. We'll get into her piece, Golden, which is a beautiful and uplifting tribute to a former teacher and mentor. We also hear from Dr. Kate about the musicality of speech, earworms, and how the music you like as a teenager stays with you, whether you want it to or not. This podcast is sponsored by Encoda, the home of digital sheet music. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Music for PhDs, the art project disguised as a podcast. based in Vancouver, right? I am, yes. Is that where you're from? No, I grew up in Manitoba, actually. I grew up in Winnipeg, and then I did an undergrad at Brandon University, and and then I moved out here for grad school and realized that we don't have winter here, so I never left. (laughs) You're you're here now forever. Yep, that's it. And um, how did you get started in music? Did you take piano lessons as a kid, or...? Yes. So there was sort of a series of happy accidents. When my grandmother sold her house, she thought she would she would buy us an upright piano, amongst other things she was doing. And so when I was eight, I started taking piano lessons and thereby irritating my parents by playing the <laughs> thing at like 6.30 in the morning or whatever the earliest hour was that I was allowed to be awake. Yeah. And then, but I didn't really fall for classical music until I saw the movie Amadeus and went, oh, there's all this music that I, you know, it just, it had never occurred to me really. So I ended up as a pianist for a while, and then I had tendinitis, and then I became a composer. So it was very accidental. That's so funny. Uh, Vince also mentioned watching Amadeus as a kid and it having a big influence on him. It makes me wonder how many of us there are within a certain age group of these, these composers in their mid-40s who are all struck by this film oh for sure their parents will curse it well i have interviewed seven people and three of them have mentioned this movie so oh my gosh (laughs) okay wow that's wow yeah okay that's funny so um we're gonna talk about your piece golden but uh we'll we'll get to that before we drill down into that one i wanted to ask is there a piece you're working on right now is there something fresh or new that you have on your desk uh, um, yes, but it's too new to, to really admit to its existence right now. So, uh, so you can't look at it directly. Let's pretend no, because it's in that horrible state. Yes, but there, there will be another one. A little bit superstitious. Mm-hmm. Oh, more than a little. I'm, I'm actually very superstitious <laughs> about them until they're close to done. And then, do you have anything like special that you do when you're when you're getting ready to to finish, or or do you have mm. a special thing that you do to start? No, starting sort of involves endless frustration and fear. Well, I, I, well, and and I listen to other people's music, and I, you know, and I listen to the sounds of the instruments I'm writing for, and and think about sort of, I guess either storylines or emotional arcs, whatever you might call them, thing or you know things that I want to do in the piece, and then I noodle around at the piano and just hope for the best, and sort of you know, plummet into despair for a while. I feel like that will resonate with a lot of other composers. I actually saw, this is a little bit random, but uh, I live in Calgary and I got a notice from the Glenbow Museum that Sybil Andrews 
exhibit is coming up and they have commissioned some music for you, from you for the yes. opening. Yeah, that was fun. That's the last finished piece that I have, have so that uh, something that turned out all right as opposed to calamity. Yes. <laughs> That's your your latest freshest just out the oven piece. Yes. Yeah, I just I just heard a recording of it today. That was fun. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. We were given a number of topics relating to the artwork and then kind of went through them. And I eventually picked Sybil Andrews' piece called Speedway, which is sort of super fun. And I liked I liked the concept of that and this feeling of being a little bit on edge and, and things sort of racing around. So I had, I had a fair bit of fun with that. Her art is amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing it in real life. That's actually really interesting to me because I make artwork based mm-hmm. on music. So I'm always super curious to hear when people are making music based on visual artwork. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that. It's funny. I haven't done it very often, twice in my life. This was the second time. But I've both times I felt like it was really interesting. I mean, the form, I mean, I suppose form in visual art is so different than form of music going through time. So it leaves that free, but it gives you a whole lot of sort of underlying story or you know, or in mood or texture even. And so I've, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. The first time was um, for the Ottawa, the Jack Pine. And that one was, that was interesting because the texture of the painting and the way I was thinking about harmony and texture really went together, I felt. When I say texture, actually, I should probably explain that I'm, the texture of the background of the sky, which is it's kind of amazing and it's these sort of blocks of color that are almost the same and it's this really rich color but it, but you look at them and everyone is just slightly different so i started playing around with chords that had quite a few notes and just changing one at a time and it's not the way i usually work at all but because of the painting i thought this is something i want to try speaking of golden speaking of pieces and, and inspiration yeah why don't you tell me the tell me the story of where this piece kind of came from Okay, so this one was a fair bit older piece. It's from 2001. I was still a student at the time. I had been studying with an amazing composer named Nikolai Korndorf, and he'd been planning to write a piece for the Pacific Baroque Orchestra, and he died suddenly. And so his widow, when they were going to get another composer, suggested they get me. So I wrote a piece that was um, in memory of him, and I thought also would use some of the sounds that I could hear in his music. There's t- you know, tapping and knocking and whispering and things that you might not expect. And the name Golden actually, it came from, there were two different places. Uh, one of them, I wanted the piece to be about transformation. And a friend of mine had told me about swimming in a small lake in Manitoba. And the lake had it's iron pyrite known as fool's gold in the water, but it's sort of dissolved in the water. And when you come out of the water, it glitters all over you. And it's like, it's like coming out of some kind of transformational experience. And so the little bit of text that I used in the piece is about that. Um, and the other reason that I was sure that it should be called golden is not that long after Nikolai Korndorf died, I was speaking with his widow, Galina, and she told me that one of his other students, a, a, a young student who was about 11 at the time, was supposed to perform the next week after he died and didn't want to, just didn't want to do it and didn't want to do it. And then finally he said he would, and she wondered why. And he'd said that he'd had a dream about Nikolai 
mm. and that he was going to be sitting on the stage beside him. And, and he said he looked just like himself, except that he was all golden. And I thought, okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Shivers. <laughs> yeah, and that very unusual experience. Uh, it's just such a beautiful story. And uh, I knew that you had written the piece for uh, for someone in particular. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you told that story, I just I totally got an image of like young kids kind of coming out of the water. You, you know, everyone's glistening. And to me, it's it's got a really hopeful morning kind of a feel. Oh, I'm glad. Maybe this is a tricky question because it is a memoriam piece. But is there is there anything that you hope listeners would kind of take away from this or um yeah what, what was your what was your hope for this piece i guess i guess i would hope it would be somewhat cathartic for somebody experiencing loss loved Jocelyn's story about a lake that covers you in gold. So for this piece, I chose a palette of greens and yellows. I had this image of opening your eyes underwater, where everything is kind of murky and green, but also golden at the same time. This idea of kids splashing around in the water and coming out all glistening stayed with me very strongly while I was painting. I ended up with a lot of big gestures that, to me, kind of look like seaweed. Listening to this music, I would never have guessed that it was in memoriam. I hear a lot of uplift and and energy, and I'd love to hear what you think about the music and the painting. You can check the painting out on my website, and a link is up in the show notes. Now before we get back to Jocelyn's lightning round and her upcoming shows, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor Encoda, the Spotify of sheet music. Encoda is a subscription app that lets you practice, play, and perform your sheet music. They have literally thousands of titles and millions of pages, all from licensed publisher catalogs. You can download Encoda for a free trial on the App Store today. That's N-K-O-D-A. So what do you have coming up next for you? Interestingly, I have a couple of things coming up in Calgary this coming year. First one being a new piece called Speedway. It's for the Land's End Ensemble in Calgary, taking place at Sea Space, February 28th. I'm co-curating it with Vincent Ho. It should be awesome. The other thing I have coming up, it's a new piece that I'm barely working on right now, thinking about, 
And that's for May 29th and May 30th, 2020, with the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, a new piece influenced by Beethoven's Fourth Symphony. Oh, cool. Oh, for the, um, because there's a big year anniversary coming up, right? There's, yep. The, yeah, 2020. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Will that piece be, I don't know if I want to ask you too many questions about it. It's in this new stage. Is it going to be influenced by Beethoven or are you going to try and do something really different? I don't think it's going to sound like Beethoven. I've been thinking about the ways that one could be inspired by Beethoven without sounding like him. Although I am a person who tends to use quotations, so I can't say that I won't. But I'm kind of fascinated by Beethoven as this, you know, sort of very heroic character and, you know, the Beethoven, the genius and Beethoven romantic and, you know, and, and iconoclast. And so I'm thinking along those lines, but it's still early. So who knows what will happen yet? It could go in, in many directions between now and May. Yes, it may have a stronger will than I, so it, it may tear me off in some direction. And that would be very Beethoven. Yep. <laughs> that would be absolutely appropriate. Exactly. Uh, and so lightning round is mm-hmm. just for fun. Okay. Coffee or tea? Both. I refuse to decide. I drink too much of both every day. Okay, so that's a resounding yes to coffee or tea. Green thumb or plant murderer? A vaguely green thumb. I keep them alive, though they don't necessarily flourish. Okay, but they're not dead. Nope, they're all alive. Even that one. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a favorite room in your house? Hmm. I would either be spending time in the shower or in the living room at night with very few lights on. Do you have a favorite season? Spring. It's it's interesting because it's, yeah, I mean, autumn and summer are about 3,000 times longer here than they were in Manitoba because it Uh seems like both of them just sort of, you know, a few breathless attempts and then all of a sudden we're into winter. Oh, it's summer. Oh, right. Okay. But here the seasons just go on forever. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Hmm. Knitting. Let's go with knitting. It's sort of ridiculous. It's slow, but I like it. Kind of like composing music. (laughs) Ah, you're right. So I thought this was really interesting. This is the only piece of music we've listened to this season that features narration. That's true. Spoken word is similar to music in some ways, because speech also has timing information and pitch information. When you're speaking, your voice can speed up or slow down, your tone can rise and fall, and you can emphasize certain words or syllables by making them longer or shorter or louder and softer. Lots of songs have lyrics, of course, but some composers integrate speech as part of their musical works or even incorporate full-length stories. Interestingly, the musicality of speech means that if you repeat spoken phrases enough times, the words themselves kind of start to sound musical to the human ear. Scientists call that the speech-to-song illusion. The sounds as they appear to you are not only different from those that are really present, but they sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. Now see what happens when you listen to part of that passage a bunch of times in a row. But they sometimes behave so strangely. They sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. That's totally going to get stuck in my head later tonight. It's a bit of an earworm, isn't it? I've definitely caught myself humming it before. When that happens, scientists call it involuntary musical imagery. Some songs are catchier than others, but 
most earworms only last a few minutes or hours. That short-term obsession is different than long-term musical memories. Some songs, even decades after you first hear them, will still provoke a wave of emotion, whether good or bad. And music is often very closely linked to memories for places, people, or experiences from your past. So kind of like when I hear the Backstreet Boys or Hanson come up on the radio, I can't say I like that music anymore, but I certainly remember it. Exactly. No matter how old you are, music from your teens and 20s is often really memorable, and it's linked to strong emotions. Each generation has its defining hits, and every generation loves to complain that music was better back in their day. This is related to a broader phenomenon called the reminisce bump. That's where autobiographical memories from this part of your life are recalled better and they're more vivid for you. So why would that happen specifically in your teens and your 20s? Well, there are a couple theories about why music is so indelibly printed on your mind. One theory is biological. At this stage in your life, your brain is undergoing a lot of neurological development. And puberty-related hormones also mean you're experiencing a lot of emotions. Another related explanation is more social. Music preferences are a way to establish peer groups and make friendships. People in adolescence and in early adulthood are establishing their identity and their sense of self. This is the part of your life when you become you. It sounds like you're kind of stuck with it then. Like whatever music was popular when you were a teenager is the stuff you bond to. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. But it actually isn't limited to just your own adolescence. Research has shown that many young people have additional bumps for music that was popular before they were born. Scientists think the second bump usually maps onto music from when your parents were in their teens and 20s. In theory, you would have heard some of their favorites growing up, so you would have learned to like, or at least remember, those hits along with your own. Some studies even show a third bump that could correspond to your grandparents' favorite music. A very big thank you to Jocelyn and Dr. Kate for being part of Music for PhDs. And a very big thank you to you as well for listening. Whatever you celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and I will see you back again in January. Our first guest of 2020 is Kristen Flores. Kristen is a composer, a violin teacher, and a mother of three, and we're going to talk about the beauty of nature, the great outdoors, and site-specific music. Dr. Kate will be back talking about her own area of speciality. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Music for PhDs, the art project disguised as a podcast. Mm-hmm.